1: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Macros for Live podcast. I'm your host, Eve Guzman, with my husband, Randall Guzman, and we have a special guest today that we're probably less than an hour away from, and we're meeting on video for the first time. We are Instagram friends, so we'll have to eventually make this like a real life thing. Um, But we have nutrition and fitness coach, Nicole Ferrier here today. Did I say your last name right?
2: You did. Technically, my last name is Block, but everybody knows me as Ferrier. So Nicole, because it's Nicole Ferrier Fitness. Cool, cool. Well, at least I didn't like butcher it. (laughs) No, it was good.
1: (laughs) So tell everybody uh, what you do in the online coaching space, who you are, who your ideal clients are and how long you've had this wonderful online gig.
2: Yeah. So like Eve said, my name is Nicole Ferrier. I'm originally from Ohio and that's where I grew up and I got my undergrad in exercise science. I feel like fitness was always something I loved. Like You can go back on my YouTube channel. I was 14, 15 years old, like creating tutorials and they're really embarrassing to like watch some of the full days of eating or exercises that I was doing, but I always just liked being active. However, I have a history of like struggling with disordered eating. I feel like I jumped in and I went too deep with fitness and I went down like a negative rabbit hole, which caused me to struggle with anorexia and binge eating. So when I was in college, I knew that I wanted to educate myself more because I felt like education brought power to me and it really allowed for me to see, okay, how I'm going about my fitness goals is one, not sustainable, one, not normal. And one the other thing is it's not healthy in the first place. So I really tried to find what balance looked like for me. And that's where I found macro tracking. It was probably my sophomore year of college and it completely changed my relationship with food. It allowed for me to see food as fuel. It allowed for me to um, work on overcoming some fear foods that I had. And it really provided me with data. And I think that was was a big missing piece for me because before then I was just kind of winging it. Like Looking at a magazine, looking at an article, trying to follow that, not really sure what I'm monitoring. So found macros, really found my passion for exercise science, started lifting in the gym. And then um, I found bodybuilding mostly because of YouTube. I was always into YouTube when I was a kid. Started seeing like um, Nikki Blacketer at the time. I'm not sure. Yeah. Super old. Binged on
1: all of her bikini preps.
2: Yeah. So when I saw her, I really resonated with her. I was like, Oh, she's this cute little blonde girl, but like she could kick my butt. Like she's so strong. And that's something that I wanted for myself. Um, I did gymnastics growing up, so I wasn't always the strongest athlete. And that's because I always prioritize cardio over lifting, but I realized, Oh, in, in order to gain muscle one, it's difficult to do, but two, I'm going to have to lift some weights so I started lifting. She really inspired me, and that's what got me into bodybuilding. Um, and then I actually started coaching while in college because I would have like other girls see me lifting, or they would see me like paying attention to my nutrition, or they would see my very awkward Instagram selfies back then, <laughs> and they would start asking questions. And I was like, I don't even know how to coach, but sure, you can pay me 35 bucks a month and I'll coach you. Like I had no idea what I was doing, but that's really where my business started. And then I would say after I graduated, which was 2017, I, um, I tried to go in the workforce. I tell everyone I had a midlife crisis at like 22 and I quit my job, went all in. And then I've been, um, full-time online coaching since 2018. And you're not charging $35 a month anymore.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So if anybody's like, oh, I can get started doing that. Do not do that. If you guys DM any of the three of us, we will tell you it is not, the market rate or the industry rate right now is not $35 an hour. Nicole has been doing this for a long time. She has a lot of experience. She's made so many transformations. It's not $35 a month anymore. So
2: but uh, I don't even think that's a gallon of gas now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's,
2: it's it's hard. It's definitely difficult. But Randall and
1: I can definitely re- relate to you. We grew up on, I don't want to say grew up, but we really got more in love with bodybuilding because of YouTube and Instagram and all of that stuff. So we were in that same era with you watching everything. I probably binged more on um, people showing their preps and stuff because around the time that I think you were coaching is when I was prepping for my first shows. It was like 2015 to 2018. Um, like you, YouTube was it. That's where I learned how to do so much. But I know between the three of us, we learn how to do things really wrong too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was doing the same thing as you. I was prioritizing cardio before lifting and my husband was the one that had to actually get me to start picking up weights back in 2013. He's like, You're really not working out. And I'm like, Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Like, you know, have my little membership, went to the door, swiped the key, straight to the treadmill. He's like, You're not really working out. And I was so offended. But I love now that even in your bio on Instagram, if you guys check the show notes and go check her out, it doesn't say like get lean and get skinny and like shred weight and fat loss coach. Her bio actually says she helps them get strong plus improve their relationship with food.
2: Yeah. I think that was a big thing for me. Like When I originally started coaching people, I actually only wanted to coach competitors and I wanted it to be that very extreme client, you know, because I really resonated with that person when I first started. But little did I know, like as I was growing and evolving, I realized that wasn't what I was supposed to do and that really what I learned during my fitness journey was how to find balance. And I know it's like some people hate that word balance, but I think that looks different for everyone. And if someone says like, they don't know what balance is, like you should reflect, um, balance should look like, like a flow and it should feel a little effortless and it shouldn't be anxiety provoking or fear provoking. And that was so much of my fitness was anxiety, fear, you're gonna get fat, you're gonna, you know, have no friends, you're gonna, you know, be judged or whatever. There's so much fear over every little thing that I did, that it wasn't sustainable. And I just burned myself out. And I think a lot of women struggle with that when they start. And that's why they don't like fitness is because a lot of like the diet culture has conditioned them to like, like, you're never good enough. And you're always going to hate yourself, basically.
1: Mm -hmm. Can you do like a little comparison of like, 2015 to 2018, Nicole versus 2023 with like what you mentioned food, you wouldn't eat, but now you eat it. How much cardio then how much cardio now, um, weight training, what's like the biggest differences between who you were then versus now for you to get balanced?
2: Yeah. I mean, it really makes me sad how much time I wasted, doing everything wrong. Like 2015, I was probably doing an hour of cardio six times a week, um, year, like year round clockwork. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't take days off. So, you know, I would lift like six days a week and then an additional day would be doing cardio. I didn't take rest days for probably three years when I first started. I even in high school would wake up at 5am to go work out before school. And then I had to work after You know, high school. So I was like, I have to fit it in. You know, I was very obsessive. Um, 2018 was getting better. I was, you know, tracking macros. I was taking um, one to two days off, even though it was very anxiety provoking. I remember hating that. Um, still doing a little bit too much cardio or I, I was like a little iffy on going into a building phase. I was like, you can go into a quote unquote building phase, but you can't weigh over X amount of pounds. Like I wasn't fully in the process. Or if I was in like the middle of bodybuilding, which I was in 2018, um, I would only give myself like six to eight months in an, a, an improvement season, which is nothing. So I was like I, go- I got the process. I knew what you were supposed to do, but I was still, fearful to be all in on that process. And then to now, um, totally different now in 2023, I train four times a week. I take three days off. I do no cardio other than just daily activity and steps. I used to be kind of obsessive with tracking a little bit 2018. Again, like I got, I got the concept, but I ran with it and was still getting a little too obsessive with it. Now I track four days a week and I take three days off, which was like unheard of for me. And I really like going out to eat, which I got, that's another thing that was like unheard of for me. Like you like going out to eat, like you want to drive an hour to a bakery to get donuts. Like, yeah, I want to do that now. So if you would have gone back and told like 19 year old Nicole, I would be where I'm at today. Like I would have thought you're crazy. Like I would have been like, no, like I'm way too dedicated to be like that person again, finding balance or whatever. But you know, I'm so much happier being here.
0: I can, I can definitely relate. Um, cause like you said, for years, like I worked out seven days a week. I mean, if I wasn't lifting, I was out doing sprints or something and I didn't want to go out to eat. I just wanted to eat meal prep all the time. And I did it for so long until I finally injured myself. And then I was forced to take months off and set back. But that's the dangers of us learning how to do all these things on YouTube um, and different kind of social media sites like that, instead of actually invest investing in a coach that actually teaches us how to do things the wrong way. And I mean, the right way. And sometimes we get hurt doing those things. So I can definitely relate to you in that matter.
1: Yeah, I used to do he used to say hashtag team no days off on every post. And I'm like, he had a t-shirt. You had a tank that said that, didn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean it's glorified. (laughs) It's glorified on the internet sometimes. And it's not, it's just not smart.
1: What do you mean? What is no days off? And like people didn't want to work with us because they're like, we have to work out all the time with the Guzmans. They didn't want to come to our, our 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 boot camps and our um like personal training group sessions. They're like, those people don't take any days off. But I was doing the same thing as you, Nicole. I knew the basics even when I came off of prep, but I stretched it because I wanted to stay lean. Like I was like, oh, I'm, I'm smarter than all these other people. Like I can like play around with my hormones. I can play around with like being a little less calories, you know, consumption. And then like you, it was the same thing of like, I was supposed to take a building season, but it was like, I would only build up into a point that I could gain weight and then I would pull back. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't following all the rules.
2: I think we think we're the exception. You know, like I can do things differently or I don't need as much time off or, you know, I can handle it. When in reality, I I say this often, you're not the exception, you're the rule. We always want to be the exception. We want to be the genetic freak, but that's probably not us. And, um, Randall, just like you had your wake up call, mine was hormonal dysfunction. Like 2019, I did not recognize my body. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I had so much hormonal dysfunction because I thought I could get away with it, you know, lifting so much, being reckless with my body, dieting too hard, um, not prioritizing sleep, slamming probably like 600 milligrams of caffeine a day. I thought I could get away with it. And then my body eventually said, hey, you're not listening to me, so I'm going to make you listen. And that's when I was dealing with like gaining weight rapidly, like chronic inflammation, digestive issues. I was the heaviest I've ever weighed in my whole life. Like I couldn't even recognize my face because of the inflammation and it scared me so much, but it really allowed for me to kind of embrace that body. Cause I knew I couldn't fight it. Like, I was like, you've lost this fight. So we got to fight it in a more different way of like healing, which sounded like not fun for me, but I knew that that was the only way through it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I felt like your story is really similar to one of our friends online her name is Juan D wellness she was kind of the same way like had to take a huge break and step back and it was like no cardio no huge step goal started off with two days a week of training she came down from like six or seven um so a lot of us have been there and we're you know certified coaches there are people out here um, trying to coach themselves and take matters into their own hands, and then they come to us at like their like weakest and lowest point, and it's hard for them to to listen to us as coaches going, okay, we're we're building you a recovery plan, we're going to be pulling back on everything, we're going to be focusing on getting back to the basics, and they're like, well, I just want to lose weight. I didn't sign up to like balance myself, and no one wants to hear that part, but. It's happening for everybody, coaches, non-coaches, and it's like a really huge pill to swallow, but it is the right way. Um, and it usually becomes the only way, because if you keep pushing, you're only going to get resistance from your body.
2: Yeah. Like a lot of people will be like, I'm so uncomfortable. I'll do anything. And I'm like, I know you'll do anything. That's why you're here in the first place. And your coach wants you to lose body fat. Like we, we don't want to say no. Do you think that feels good for us? but we also don't want you to be in a worse position to be putting in the effort in and not getting a response back. Like I'll never forget a coach that said this to me in a competition prep when my body wasn't responding. He's like, yeah, it's no fun. Like when you're putting in all this work and not getting paid for it. I'm like, Yeah, that's pretty messed up. You know, like that that's not an enjoyable experience. So if your coach says you need to reverse diet or you need to go through a healing phase, like don't just go and hire a coach that's gonna give you a yes answer to dieting. Like maybe you should listen to someone that doesn't necessarily agree with you.
1: Yeah. We turn a lot of people down and say, you know what, we need to have you in a maintenance phase. We need to have you do a reverse diet. And we're honest, we're like other people will take your money and run. And you're going to be in the same spot a year from now or worse, but this is the best advice you're going to get. Some sign up, some don't, some come back. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Have you been um, someone that has been on prep or not on prep and you've cut calories, not lo- not lost weight and just have been cutting and cutting and cutting away and still have been able to, un- still have been unable to lose weight?
2: Yeah, that was probably my 2019 prep when I got, I didn't lose weight for like four months. And I was up to like two to three hours of cardio a day. I was walking like 20 to 25,000 steps. I had lost my mind. Um, I was at like 80 grams of carbs and I was not losing weight. And I just kept thinking I, if I could just push a little bit harder, if I could just push a little harder and I'll never forget this moment on the treadmill, When I had three hours of cardio and I was dragging, um, during my second session, I had just recently started, I was dating my boyfriend now husband, and he looked at me with so much concern and he's like, are you okay? Like, do you you need to sit down for a bit? And I remember thinking, this is not normal. Like you should not be pushing to this level. I get that. There's so many people out there that will say beast mode, push harder, you know, don't you want to win? But I just wanted to feel healthy, you know, and I felt like I'm putting in all this work. I get frustrated because everybody says calories in versus calories out. The math ain't math in here. You know, (laughs) there's way more output than input here. I wasn't quote unquote cheating on my diet. You know, it was just like white fish and green beans and mustard and egg whites, like boring stuff. So I'm like, something is not right here. And I actually remember competing. Um, I wasn't happy with my conditioning because I was inflamed because the hormonal issues. And I remember thinking, I cannot wait for the show to be over. And that's how I knew there was a problem because every single show day was my favorite day because I always feel like super beautiful, super confident. Like even when we got married, I kept thinking I can't wait to compete again because like, I feel so beautiful on show days but I just didn't feel like myself and I wasn't confident and nothing is worse when you're putting in work and you're not confident in your physique. To be honest, I was embarrassed. And so I was like, I just want this day to be over because there's something wrong and I know I need to work on it. That was me. And that was him looking at me like
1: I was crying on the treadmill. Remember when we lived in the Indiana house and that extra office, Randall had the treadmill. He'd open up the door at dinner time. He's like, are you going to eat? And I had the treadmill like all the way ramped up. I don't know like what.
0: He's on like 12. Yeah, probably.
1: I don't remember like what the numbers were. And then he asked me and I just broke out into tears because I'm like, I'm not losing weight. I'm like, I've cut my calories. I was at 800 calories per day. That's how low I was in prep. And I think I was two months out and we were trying to decide if we were going to call it and do it. I think I ended up doing it. I think that was the last one. And he asked me about dinner and I broke into tears. And I was like, I can't even eat anything today because I need to get more negative in numbers. But it's like you said, the math ain't math.
0: Yeah. The crazy thing. And I don't know if you remember this, babe, but like we went, I mean, it was like 10, 12 years ago when we first got really, maybe 10 years ago when we first got into bodybuilding um, really deep. And we went to this party at the Raskiller and- We like met these bodybuilders, former bodybuilders, and they were all like, they were all like blown up. And I was like, well, what happened? I'm I'm like, you know, because we were looking at the pictures before and this, that, and other. And I'm like, they lost all their discipline. Like, how did their discipline just go out the window? This, that, and other, yada, 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 yada. And I know this is what other people are thinking when they're looking at them because they don't know any better. Mm -hmm. But then years later, yeah, it came to, be a reality that we found out okay no these people are still very disciplined their hormones are not functioning correctly or their bodies their metabolism is all unbalanced because they've been in a deficit for years and years and years and now they're still eating as healthy as they can but they're steadily putting on weight you know and and it's just their body's not working because they nobody's there to teach them how to reverse and do these things and it's sad that people are in those situations. And then everybody else is looking at them like, well, what are they doing? Such and such and such. And they're still really eating. You know, they're eating They're on top of their nutrition, but their body's not reacting the way it used to.
2: Yeah. I think that's so hard for competitors or even people in the fitness space who have taken things too far. And then something like that happens and then they feel embarrassed and that they need to hide. I will say that my business still grew, like it grew while I was dealing with hormonal issues because of the content and the education that I had to provide. Um, Was I my most confident in my skin then? No. Did I feel like people were maybe judging me? Yeah. But only I knew the truth in that situation. And it actually allowed for me to expand and learn more about functional health. And that was something that I didn't know too much about until it happened to me. Um, But I feel for a lot of those people, I mean, it's like, especially when you go to the same gym, right. And then people see you gain that weight and then they think, what happened? You know, that's like the worst thing you could say to someone. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. 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 And like, and, and people have this happen when they're not competing and I've had it happen being a competitor. And then even just in a regular everyday person cut, sometimes you get to that level of leanness like you said you were like most you're most pretty confident you're all glammed up for me and a lot of people too it's like i was that lean and i'm chasing that leanness and Mm -hmm. sometimes it's body dysmorphia sometimes it's not but like when i was up like 15 pounds over my last show i thought no one's gonna buy for me my business is gonna suck it actually got way better But, um, I was chasing in my mind, that leanness that I thought was perfect, but I look back at it now. And I was like, I was way too skinny. I was so skinny, but I still was compete comparing myself to you should be that lean. And it's really hard.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I actually really like where my body is at now, which I find funny because the old me would think that I weigh too much or whatever, or, that I like the size I wear is too big, but like, I'm like, Oh, I I like how I look, you know, I feel like I look strong. I look athletic. And I think it takes time to kind of grow into your body too. like body dysmorphia is going to be there for a lot of people, but the more you remove yourself from the extremes, like the easier it can get with time.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. For sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. So now I know you do focus a lot on like, people having the education of what of what nutrition periodization is, especially maintenance, especially reverse dieting up to maintenance. Um, if you were to talk about the clients that you're serving now, um, what percentage of your clients are actually at maintenance or are working on reversing to maintenance?
2: I would actually say it's about 65, 35, probably 65% are in maintenance or reversing. A lot of my clientele are working on their relationship with food. So maybe they're coming off of like, again, dieting, 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 or they tell me, I don't know the last time I've eaten over, you know, 1,800, 2,000 calories consistently. Mm. And I tell people that there's two different types of restriction. We've got caloric restriction, but then we've got mental restriction. And both of them matter. Both of them are considered being on a diet, um, because it can still damage your psyche when it comes to food. So those people are, you know, reversing, getting to maintenance or even a surplus depending on their goals. And then I do have some in a fat loss phase. And then, um, I work with mostly lifestyle clients, but I do also prep people as well. That clientele is probably only about like 15%, but mm-hmm. I would put that within like the fat loss phase. hmm Of
1: the people coming to you that you end up putting in maintenance or reverse, do you feel like some of them are getting like shocking news of like, let's like heal yourself first. Let's get to maintenance and fat loss. It'll be like in the future. Are there people that are like, what?
2: (laughs) I think I would say two years ago, definitely. But now I almost feel like people come to me and they're already at that breaking point, right? Like Mm -hmm. they already know what they need to do. But there are some people where they do seem to be in a good place calorically then we implement a cut you know we make sure that they're consistent we make sure their habits are in check and all that underlying habit-based stuff but then their body's not responding the way that we want and then that that can be an awkward conversation of like hey i know you wanted to go from point a to point b but now i'm gonna throw in some detours to your to your goal and so that can be uncomfortable but i think as long as you have that trust and like open communication, then the client can feel comfortable with it.
1: Are there any calorie levels or numbers that you see a lot with either men, um, or women that are kind of like that number that a lot of people get fearful around? Like, is it 1500, 1800 where they're like, oh, I just can't get past it. It seems so big.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, first and foremost, I, again, I really try to look at their food logs, make sure they're tracking, right. There's so many people where I'm like, well, net carbs, you know, or like they're tracking certain things incorrectly or going out to eat too much. But for women, I would say it depends on the height of her and her age. You know, if she's only four 11 or five foot, that calorie range might be a little bit lower. I've ended diets, you know, around 12 to 1300. They're not on there the whole time. That's the, the, the very end. Mm -hmm. And then, um, competition like competitors, that's a different conversation too, on how low are we comfortable? Where's your health markers at? I will not keep prepping someone. If I see that their health is being compromised, I'm not someone that is trophy hungry. I am happy to pull someone out of prep. Um, and then for men, I would say it's probably around, again, it depends on the height, but 1600 is pretty low for a male. So Mm -hmm. that's where I get nervous. Even, you know, if they're like six, five, you know, 1700, 1800 can even be really, really low.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Super low.
1: When it comes to the clients, um, that you're working with that are in, Maintenance phases. Do you have a lot of clients that feel comfortable eventually exploring intuitive eating? Um, Or do you think you have a lot of clients that just like, you know, being accountable, tracking, and staying on top of it with like data?
2: That's actually a conversation I have with a lot of people of like, what are your goals like with food long term? And most people do want to get to be more intuitive. Mm -hmm. So I like to start easy with like doing an untracked meal. Or even just working on, hey, like, let's have your normal foods that you have, but just don't put them in your app for the day. So I like to work on taking baby steps. And I also ask them, like, what are some things that are still giving you some anxiety? Because a lot of those people are still super regimented and structured. Those would really be the only people that I would say, like, hey, like, let's go to intuitive eating. Because I don't think you can go from like not tracking to intuitive eating. But when it comes to that conversation, it's, we got to kind of see what they're comfortable with and, um, what is the most anxiety provoking. So it's usually going out to eat and then, you know, maybe they went over their calories, but it's about building confidence in those scenarios. Um, I, for my, like for myself, I feel like as a bodybuilder, people look at me crazy when I say, I I take like three days off from tracking. They're like, what? And you still want to keep competing and all that. But for me, like my mental health is super important. And I know if I'm tracking all the time, like I've been doing this for so long, like if I can't not track for a day or two, there's a problem. Mm -hmm. So I feel like as coaches, like we need to think of our clients long term. And I don't see any of my clients tracking when they're like in their 80s, you know, I would just hope that they could make good food choices and that I've created that foundation for them
0: yeah just talking about how you were like you've been tracking for so long i feel like it was super interesting and impressive that you actually started tracking in college um for some of our listeners out there that may be younger can you give them some tips on how you actually stay disciplined in college because in college there's so many other things out there that you're you know what i mean exposed to uh, the alcohol the fast food the caf, cafe food and in, 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 at school like it's it's hard to stay on track in college like how are you able to do that and what are some tips
2: so unfortunately i will say part of what made me go initially more the health route was struggling with more disordered eating but that because that always kind of kept me out of trouble even in high school i'm like i don't want to drink because it has calories in it you know mm-hmm. um So I'm not saying that that was a positive thing in my life, like having an eating disorder, but it really did kind of get me away from like the fast food and drinking. I will say if people are struggling with that, it is important to look at the finances too. I know some people like their parents help out a lot, um, but it can help to even work on creating friendships around people who are more more fit. That's not necessarily a bad thing, you know. Um, and then for like staying on track, I honestly in college, like I, I eat pretty similar to what I did then. Like I like convenience-based items. So I like fruits that <clears throat> don't have a lot of prep, so like bananas, oranges, apples. I like frozen veggies. I like pre-made meats where you just have to throw them in the stove. You don't have to do a whole lot. Um, I like smoothies. Cause that's very easy. I had like an on campus apartment too. And I was able to cook all of my meals. Like I had a stove, I had a microwave when I only had a microwave and a fridge. And I had like the like thing where you could go to the food court, I would buy staples at the grocery store of like, again, like fruit or protein sources. And then I would just like, go get like a chopped salad, get something more fresh there and like warm and bring that back and then just add a little bit extra to it.
0: Kudos to you, because I ate like shit in college. It was <laughs> like pizza, burgers, and beer, but hey, y'all hear it. It can be done. It can definitely yeah, was,
2: be done. I was happy I was just eating in college. <laughs> you should share with them, what was the day of the week when
1: the the hamburgers were really cheap? It was like oh, Tuesday. Man.
0: Yeah, we were broke in college. So McDonald's used to have this thing where they had like 29 cent hamburgers and uh, 39 cent cheeseburgers. So me and my roommate would go to McDonald's and we would buy like 20, 29 cent hamburgers and go to the store and buy like a pack of cheese. And then we would feast on those hamburgers for like two, three days. So, like, I diet It was just terrible. It was terrible. With a I whole bag of Lay's chips. Oh, yeah. You had that chips on the side. <laughs>
2: i mean I, I was lucky i mean my parents did help out a bit in college it wasn't until like after that that they are like see ya, you know but
1: yeah.
2: uh, a lot of kids i know don't have that but i will say food courts they seem to be getting better um mm-hmm. i just visited my college campus well i haven't been there for a couple of years i'm like dang like they got all this now you know so like i feel like the health luckily is getting a little bit better but when it comes to creating healthier habits, like as a college student that know, like, let's say they know nothing, I would just start with like trying to add, just add a salad or, or add some fruit or add a little something colorful or healthier, I guess you could say to your diet. And then when it comes to alcohol, that's a really hard thing too, because I think there's kind of like the unspoken, a lot of college students are coping with a lot mm-hmm. of difficulty. Um, they are financially in a poor position. They are maybe going through a huge life change. They're not by family. They feel socially isolated or socially uncomfortable. So they turn to alcohol. So I think one, you have to have that conversation with yourself if you're going to put yourself in those environments. Mm -hmm. I, I personally did not. Um, I know for me, I never felt safe in party environments and maybe I watched too much true to crime or something, but I was always nervous, you know? And I was like, I, I just don't feel safe going out. Um, and I, I worked in college. So that kind of kept me in check. Cause I had like two part-time jobs and I worked with children. So I'm like, I can't show up hammered, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, Yeah, for sure. You talked about the financial part too. Like I drank in college and I drank afterwards and you know, afterwards, as you get older, Like you, you establish financial, you know I mean, your financial uh, responsibility and you start making more money. So of course you start drinking better liquor or (laughs) beer and you spend more money. But I never, until I stopped and I stopped, you know, because I don't like drinking calories. I would only preserve drinking calories for alcohol. And I stopped because I mean, it's pointless to be drinking, right? Drinking is really pointless. I mean, you poisoning yourself. But when I stopped, the financial part intrigued me because I'm like, dude, I was spending like a lot of money on alcohol. Like, and my wife's like, oh, you're saving. She never liked the fact that I drink. So she's like, you're (laughs) saving like $100 a week. This, that, and the other, yada, yada. I'm like, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. So yeah, even financially, it's just better for you.
2: Yeah. I mean, you go out to dinner. Let's say you both get a drink. That's going to add like, what, 30 bucks to the tap, probably? (laughs) Minimum. At At least. least. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's been times when the bill has come and I'm like, what? And then it's yeah. it's always the alcohol. So you're going to end up paying in one way or another, but I love how, you know, we get clients and you probably do too. And they're like, but I tracked my alcohol. Why didn't I lose weight? And I'm like, it, it's like what you said. The math ain't mathing. The math yeah. is not math with alcohol because like what Randall was saying, it's a poison. It's a toxin our body is shifting priorities. And the last thing our body wants to do when we're drinking is, is lose weight, if that's the goal. And, you know, there's lots of people that are trying to fit in the alcohol in their macros. And they're like, I don't understand why I'm not losing weight. I might as well just drink more. And I'm like, no, that's not the answer. Because they yeah. want you know, they want to have the alcohol either socially or to kind of soothe whatever's going on. But the math does not math
2: yeah I mean, I don't think the sober life is for everyone, but I will confidently say that we're gonna look back at alcohol in fifteen twenty years and look at it just like cigarettes
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah i believe it. I believe it yeah I believe it
1: I've been on the sober life track a lot, I mean, I think I have what five drinks a year, maybe six
0: some know, yeah maybe
1: eight. Yeah. If- And it's just to like order a cute drink when everybody else does, because I end up giving it to somebody. I get the Instagram photo and it's like, who wants this?
2: I am going on vacation this week, so I will probably have a margarita. So that's kind of like my thing that I like. Um, But very rarely am I like heavily drinking unless it's like a wedding. Then I'm Mm -hmm. like, I get drunk too easy, though. (laughs) Yeah. Hey. So you're telling us it's to TV. uh go to a wedding with you to have a good time now. <laughs> a lot of good dance moves. It's so funny. The last wedding I went to, I'm like, I don't even remember taking half these pictures, you know?
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> well, speaking of tracking, uh, what things do you like outside of alcohol? Um, what things do you think a lot of people make mistakes with tracking? And sometimes um, actually don't know how many calories they're consuming just because they're tracking things incorrectly.
2: Um, One big mistake is winging it. So people will just start macros and then they think they can wing it each and every single day, like track as you go. Mm -hmm. Unless you've been doing it for a while, you're not going to be able to get to the point and be like, oh, well, I'm not in the mood for this. I'm going to sub it out for something else. Like, I'm sure all of you can easily do that, right? Like, oh, I don't want chicken today. What do I want instead? Or I don't want this, even this whole meal. And you can sub it out easily. It's like playing, what is that? Jenga or whatever. Tetris. Tetris. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like a game. So you can easily figure it out. But a lot of people wing it and then they get frustrated or they get anxious or they get weird numbers for the rest of the day, and then they don't feel their best. So you have to plan ahead. If you are a beginner with this, and you have no awareness around food, which would be someone that doesn't even know what a macro is or have like never tracked before, you need to take time to plan ahead. It seems daunting, but in reality, it only takes about five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other mistake would be just not double checking the entry where they'll like just track the first thing they see, you know, it could be like, chicken breast and it would have like, let's say 20 grams of fat and like mm-hmm. carbs in it. And it doesn't make sense. Right. The math ain't math. And it's going to be our saying, um, <laughs> the math ain't math and for that, but then they'll track it. So you got to make sure that you're double checking your labels and, um, what you're tracking because anybody, especially for my fitness pal, anybody can put a, a food entry in. Mm-hmm. So someone might save something as like, a different number when it's not right, so you just want to double check that. I mean, even the other day, I was trying to track um birthday cake because I had my birthday over the weekend, and someone plugged it in as zero zero zero. I'm like, oh, that's funny, because you know, you calorie free on your birthday. I'm like, yeah, where you go. where you're going here? But uh I had to find something else.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've got what? What did we get? We got hit on what Lydia and Larry cookies back in the day when we first started. Oh tracking. man! Oh man! I and that smashing was definitely prep time. cookies,
1: Yeah. But, and it was like double. It was actually
0: double the calculation. And it took me months to figure out that I, <laughs> it was double. I'm like, shit.
1: And then we stopped buying them. Yeah. Because it wasn't even worth it to do the half cookie sometimes.
2: They're not the only company, though. Like, if you see mm-hmm. a brand new company where they're like high protein, this or that, like, I know that there's a brownie company, I'm not going to say the name, but they've been called out several times and their nutritionals are not accurate. There's mm-hmm. been like RDs that have put it through processing and shown, like, hey, this has like four times the calories. There's actually sugar in here, which is also dangerous, too, because if someone has like diabetes and they're trying to go for a lower sugar alternative, that's really dangerous. So Mm -hmm. make sure that you're kind of weary with some of those like new food companies that seem like too good to be true. And you know it, like if you taste something and you're like, wow, that tastes like real butter and real sugar. It probably is.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
2: (laughs) We're literally so experienced that we'll like bite something and we're like, no,
1: that tastes like 45 carbs. Like we'll call out a number. They're like, there's no way there's like 17 carbs. That's definitely 45 carbs worth of flavor, but that's because we've tracked so long. So the more that you track, you'll catch those errors and you'll have more accurate numbers. And then it'll build your confidence, especially if you're like wanting to eventually move um, towards intuitive eating. But I know a lot of people think, even when their goal is maintenance or reverse dieting, that tracking doesn't matter. It does ensure that you're still eating enough. And for like your clientele, like them getting stronger and going through a building phase and building tracking really is essential for the maintenance phase, even though maintenance isn't like the sexy phase, like no one's like, oh my God, I'm so excited to hire a coach for maintenance. It's actually one of the most important phases, but it's not sexy.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people only take their, their nutrition seriously when they're dieting and that's the biggest mistake you can make. Um, it's the biggest mistake I made. You know, I only hired coaches for competition prep and then I would give them like three months post show and then be like, Oh, I'm done with this now. Like I'm going to do my own thing. And I look back and I think, wow, like you would have been so much more advanced if you would have just been all in you know like now I work with a coach year-round my body has drastically changed and I haven't dieted for almost two years now and I'm still seeing positive changes and that's a big misconception too that you can only see positive changes in your physique when you're dieting that's not true
0: mm-hmm. yeah not enough, absolutely not enough most most of the time it's actually the opposite because <laughs> once you're in maintenance you're able to put on that muscle you're able to put on. So you see a lot of gains when you're actually in maintenance as long as you're doing it right. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Or people go on to a fat loss phase and they're like, why am I not shredded? Because you never really did maintenance and you don't have any muscle under there. We just took fat off of fat. We want to take fat off of muscle.
0: Yeah. No
1: one be offended, but that's really what's happening when you're like looking at one of your favorite people you follow on Instagram. Like you have to build the muscle to reveal it later. And people don't really think about that. They just are like, when I want to look leaner, I want to look leaner. And they think that muscles will be there.
2: Yeah. Or I think a lot of lifestyle people compare it to like the fitness model or the competitor. And then you never know what goes on like behind closed doors. So like, is it even an equal playing field? You know, Um, And a lot of lifestyle clients don't know that. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Because they're seeing like the highlights and not really the play by play of what's happening. I remember people wanted to hire me when I was on prep and they would go, I want to look like you when I read their application and I would tell Randall all the time, they don't want this. I was like, you don't want this because like the what I am giving up, all of the restriction, the crying. I remember one time and it's probably on another podcast, but I, I cussed the entire family out one night when they ordered pizza and wings and I could smell it on the second floor of our house they were hiding in a room eating the food without me and i lost my shit
0: we were in the man cave the kids the kids (laughs) wanted to eat out because when when she used to go on prep the whole house used to be basically be on prep like not to the extreme that she was on but we couldn't eat because you know when 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 y'all on prep like the fuse is short so like you can get (laughs) chewed up for anything like, so we were prep, on prep too. So we were like in my man cave, me and the kids. And we're all in there eating our snacks and stuff. She busting there going off on us. It's like, it's crazy. But yeah, I wouldn't want to do that shit. Somebody asked me, like, they were like, are you going to compete? While well, she was competing, I'm like, hell no. Like, I see it. I see what y'all go through to compete. I don't, I don't want the parts of that.
2: Yeah.
1: Literally the last one was so bad. I asked permission. I was like, is it okay for me to prep? Is it a good time? And he said, yes. And that, after that I was done. That was it. No more.
2: <laughs> yeah. I feel like you have to plan it out now. At least I know I was already like having a conversation of like, I think I want to do it next year. And then my husband already knows, oh, you can't really travel anywhere. You know, <laughs> like you can, but it's definitely not as fun. Like I think the last time I, I prepped was uh 21, like the year 21. And I had to like meal like have meals delivered to my parents' house. And I'm like super low calorie. I'm like, this is not fun. Like I just want to be able to get dinner with my parents.
1: Mm. Oh yeah. Like taking the scale to a restaurant, taking your own like condiments. It's a lot. You got to do a lot, but you know it it takes a lot of dedication. It's just not something that should be done 365 days a year every year.
2: Yeah, I think very, it takes a very unique person to be able to do that. And I now see that some people have that switch where they can turn it on and turn it off and not off as in, I'm not training, I'm not doing anything with my nutrition off as in, I'm not as extreme. I can Mm -hmm. find my balance. I can find that middle ground for myself. A lot of people can't do that. So I Mm -hmm. think that's why a lot of people hate competing is they're just not the right person for the sport. And that's okay. And if you would have asked 2015, Nicole, I would have said, everybody should compete like so (laughs) stupid. Like, no, that is not true.
0: Definitely not true. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head with that one.
2: So before we close out to today, if there was someone
1: that's like new to nutrition in fitness and is just wanting to look a little bit better, feel a little bit better, um, what would be a few things you would tell them to get started on that would be kind of practical, but still, you know, get them some results going in one direction.
2: So I would start with just tracking your current intake, even if it's just five times a week. Um, and you're probably going to have to increase your protein. So at least around 0, 0.8 per pound is a really good like starting point. If you're going from like 40, 50 grams a day, you can work on inching that up weekly until you get used to handling more. Um, my next piece of advice would be get a training program. There are so many great apps out there. There's so many great people out there that offer affordable options for training programs. So you don't necessarily have to hire like a coach one-on-one but get a training program. And I would say get one that's going to have like video tutorials. So you have more confidence on what you're doing in the gym. If you, if it's in the budget for you, try to hire a good personal trainer. um, if you feel totally lost, because if you can master like the basic squat, shoulder press, um, deadlifts, like just the compound movements, you're going to have so much more confidence down the line and you're going to be able to figure out the single joint stuff. Um, the other thing I would say is just work on collecting more than just scale weight. So just start taking progress pictures, even if it's every two to three weeks, take progress pictures. I am so happy I took them when I first started because I love comparing to little baby version of Nicole. Um, a lot of people feel uncomfortable with pictures, but that's really where you're going to see change and then collect biofeedback. Because if you are only looking at the scale, you're going to get discouraged. You're going to quit and you're going to wind up being in a probably unhealthier spot.
1: I like that. Those are great tips. So where can everybody find you? Make sure you mention your podcast. Cause it's really good.
2: Yeah. So my podcast is called beyond the bikini. I think it's on Spotify, iTunes, and I heart radio. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Nicole Ferrier fitness. I have a TikTok as well, so you can find me there. So those are the main places I hang out the most on Instagram and then the podcast is posted weekly.
1: Cool. 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 Well, it was so great having you today. I'm glad you got to meet Randall and it's our birthday month this month. It won't be when you guys hear this. (laughs) May babies are the best babies ever. It's our birthday month all month. (laughs) And I can't wait to meet you in real life. So I'm going to have to drive up north. (laughs) Yeah, thank
2: you again. I appreciate you guys.
0: Appreciate you coming on, spending time with us today. And you guys out there listening, we always appreciate you too. Make sure you download, subscribe, and share. And we'll holler at you guys next week. See ya. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Make sure you like, share, and tag us on Instagram. Also, subscribe to our channel so you don't miss future episodes. In the meantime, be healthy and get wealthy.